electric scooters, the Fourth Amendment, and the Los Angeles Department of Transportation. What the heck is going on? Hannah Zhao, staff attorney for the Electronic Frontier Foundation, explains. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, everyone. We have a fun show today. We're talking about scooters and your constitutional rights. And so I'm sure by now everyone has seen those little rental scooters around town that you can jump on for a quick little jaunt and uh, leave them wherever you feel like in town. But uh, before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsors for the show, NBI. And of course, that's short for the National Business Institute, taught by Experienced practitioners, NBI provides practical, skill-based CLE sources attorneys have trusted for more than 35 years. Discover what NBI has to offer at nbi-sems.com. That's nbi-meaning the minus sign, sems.com. All right. Welcome to the show, Hannah. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Lawrence. Now, I know the Electronic Foundation is up in San Francisco, but you're out uh, in the New York area. Where, whereabouts? I'm currently in Queens in New York. Excellent. Well, we've got a great show today. We're talking about uh, government entities, and in this case, the Los Angeles Department of Transportation, uh, tracking information about those electric scooter rental programs. And so they're keeping track of this travel data, and we'll get into the details of that later. But uh, Hannah, you know, I really enjoy these electric scooters. You know, I use them in my travel plans, both in San Diego and and when I uh, fly home to our uh, our main Denver studios. And so anyway, you know, I use those, uh, the scooters, they're fun. But I totally get why a government and uh, private citizens get concerned with them. You know, you have people leaving them on the sidewalk. You have people leaving them in people's driveways. You know, some, ru- uh, some rude uh, scooter drivers will uh, drive really fast next to people too close. And so I get the need for some government regulation to kind of give some rules for the road. Are they on the street? Are they on the sidewalk? You know, that kind of thing. But you know, recently you all discovered an issue that you thought maybe went a little too far, and it has to do with the collection of this data, this transportation data. And so you joined a suit with the ACLU, and of course it's a case being brought by Greenberg Glusker, and there's a couple of plaintiffs there that are seeking redress. So Hannah, can you tell us a little bit about the history of this lawsuit and why you all decided to get involved? Of course. First, let me say we are very sympathetic to the need to regulate traffic and the headache that new vehicles can bring to both citizens and governmental agencies seeking to ensure that everyone can get to where they need to go. However, what we have here is something that is a bit is quite a bit different than that. This is a wholesale en masse collection of and the entire movement data for all of these types of dockless vehicles. So what led to this lawsuit is that a while back, LADOT put up information on GitHub, which as many folks know is an open source software development website. And they put up this information about MDS, the Mobility Data Specification Program. And what MDS is, is this software that requires any company, any operators of these dockless vehicles, like dockless bikes and scooters, to transmit all of the real-time location data from every single ride taken on every single vehicle automatically to the Department of Transportation for the city. Now, we learned about this and EFF and ACLU and many other organizations had advocated against the program, although we learned about it and LADOT had put the information on GitHub after the pilot program had already started. But 
As a result of that advocacy, the California Legislative Council actually did issue a letter stating that the collection of the real-time movement data from these dockless vehicles like scooters without a court order or a warrant or a subpoena does violate CalEPCA, which is the California Electronic Communication Protection Act. And after this, Uber expressed interest and in fact did eventually file a lawsuit to challenge this requirement as it burdens Uber as an operator of these types of vehicles. And the ACLU and EFF worked together with Uber on that. But during that time, it became obvious, of course, that the interests of the scooter users differed somewhat from Uber's interest. And so that's what led to us filing this case. Just real quick, I have a follow-up. Uh, what specific redress were the plaintiffs looking for in the case? Well, first, the, we would like the court to declare that this en masse collection by LADOT violates the Fourth Amendment, as well as Article One, Section 13 of the California Constitution, which is the state equivalent of the Fourth Amendment, and CalECPA. And we are also seeking to have our plaintiffs location records destroyed, and an injunction to stop the collection, storage, and preservation of the location data uh, going forward. Additionally, we would like the court, because MDS violates the laws that we've invoked, we would like the court to prohibit LADOT from requiring compliance with this program as a prerequisite for giving a permit to the operators of these dockless vehicles. One of the things that was unclear to me was the type of data. It, so meaning, like, I, I understood that it means uh, that the data being recorded, the start of the scooter trip, the end of the scooter trip, but uh, was it also tracking everywhere that a rider may have gone in between? What, what was the nature of the data they were pulling? Yes. So the MDS is requiring the collection of not only the beginning and endpoints of each rental trip, but actually every single location point in between. And they require this in real time, which means the government official would have been able to see exactly the beginning of a scooter ride as it begins and every place it had gone to, to the very end of the trip, to the accuracy of a few feet. This is incredibly granular and never before has the government ever been privy to this kind of information. And therefore, we don't think that it is necessary for any type of legitimate government purpose. When I want to delve into that data a little bit. So, you know, what we're talking about is basically GPS breadcrumbs and, you know, some time points and things like that. But, you know, I think one of the concerns that uh, the EFF brought up in its uh, press release on this issue was that using this data, somehow people can, their identities can be revealed. I, I didn't quite understand that. So can you explain that a little further? Sure. Because of the precision of the location data, as we mentioned, within a few feet, can allow you to identify, for example, knowing that a particular trip begins at a certain office building and ends in front of a residence makes the difficulty of identifying who took that trip as simple as knowing their home and work address. And importantly, this, this kind of data may also reveal why someone took a trip. For example, as I mentioned, we can identify a person from their home and work addresses. But what if you also see in between that scooter trip that they stopped at a family planning clinic? Then you can presume that person who works at that office building and lives at that residence might be trying to access abortion services. 
And additionally, what happens then is that they would have information regarding their life being known by the government, even without the government ever having specifically requested that information. Now, the other thing is that you can cross-reference this type of location data with a whole plethora of uh, publicly available information. This includes where someone works, where someone lives, what kind of extracurriculars they participate in. And currently, the, this is incredibly relevant as we know many individuals are participating in protests against police violence. So a single trip from a certain residence to a protest may result in that in the ability to identify who it was that participated in these protests and have the government have that their hands on that information. Hannah, the Los Angeles Department of Transportation, as I understand it, were supposed to develop this report explaining the need for this information and why it was being used. Uh, now, I understand they haven't done that. So can you tell us the story behind that report and who was requiring it? So originally, The California Legislative Council had, as I mentioned, had issued a statement that this would violate CalECPA. So they requested, so the Los Angeles City Council responded by requesting that LADOT specify by February 25th, 2020, its reasons for collecting this program. Now, we're almost at four months after this deadline, and LADOT has submitted nothing. This still hasn't articulated as operationally specific need for this data. So why they want this program specifically and what they are trying to do with the data. The only response they've mentioned is the generic justification of quote unquote experimenting with it when setting agency policy. Now we don't know what experimentations they are talking about or what kind of agency policies they are talking about. And we really encourage you to question the LADOT on this. My next question is more so for the benefit of the the non-attorneys, Hannah. You're the staff attorney for the EFF, and and, uh, you said that uh, this is a Fourth Amendment violation in one of the articles that I read in my research here. And so Everyone knows that uh, cell phone when you carry it around, and that's how a lot of people interact with these scooter services. Everyone knows that that cell phone is being tracked or pinged off a cell tower, and that if they use a mapping app, that information is being exchanged with their their uh, network service provider. And so, can you walk us through a little bit why this gathering inf- information violates the Fourth Amendment versus the same information that's being gathered by your private cell phone carrier? Of course, the Fourth Amendment and Cal ECPA protects us from the government, not companies. Unfortunately, neither of those legal sources allow us to challenge the actions of private companies. So it is true that private companies, your cell phone companies, or the operators of these scooters could be collecting this data. But as the Supreme Court held in Riley and in Carpenter, when the government wants to access information that is collected by your cell phone company, they need a search warrant. Here, there is no search warrant. What is analogous in this situation is if the government required that AT&T send all of the information that is collected from your cell phone in real time, every moment, to the government and to require AT&T to do so as a prerequisite to obtaining a license to operate the cell phone service. 
that is very different from what is happening. Because as we know, as the Supreme Court has said, the government is required to obtain a search warrant before having access to that data. And in fact, that search warrant has to be specific. It is not en masse. They have to say, we want this person's data regarding this because of this investigation. They cannot just be privy to the entirety of the data. All right, last question for you, Hannah. And you kind of got into this a little bit earlier, but I understand that the L.A. Department of Transportation is looking to expand its use of the mobility data specification tracking tool, and they want to apply it to ride-hailing services like Uber and Lyft, car share services, and uh, I find this a little bit creepy, the driverless car services. So (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about their plans to expand the use of this tool? Sure. If that's a little creepy, I don't know if you've heard of the digital twin. The digital no, twin. No, I have is not. A, <laughs> what <okay>. is that? <laughs> the digital twin is actually the model. It's a model and the idea that there should be a digital copy of every transportation-related thing that occurs, and perhaps even outside of transportation, but first limited to transportation that occurs within the city so in real time, so that everything that is happening on the street would essentially occur in this digital copy at the same time. And therefore, the transportation advocate or Certain agencies in the government have said that this would allow them to be able to better regulate traffic. Now, it is a little scary to imagine that every movement we make in public will be replicated in a tool that is owned by the government so that they can know with precision and exactment exactly what you're doing. But this is the model on which MDS was actually built on. The documents relating to MDS that LADOT has released specifically said that MDS was built with the digital twin model in mind. So its expansion, if we do not stop it at its root right now, is intended to eventually incorporate every aspect of a city's transportation from traffic lights to the movement of every single citizen on public streets. Well, Hannah, I know what I'm going to start having some nightmares about. (laughs) So, Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We'll cite our sources for this episode on our website, LegalTalkNetwork.com. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, MBI, the National Business Institute, for making this program possible. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 